How many of you know that's a strong word? When you'd use that word about someone, you would be very, very careful about using that word. But that word or a similar, a reasonable fact simile thereof is used in a lot of places throughout the Old and New Testament. By their deeds, they prostituted themselves. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor here at New Life Community Church, and I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. Let me just take a moment and express to you, our listeners, a heartfelt appreciation for your being here. You are the reason why we do what we do on New Life Telecast. And that is share the Word of God as a means of helping you understand God's purpose and plan and design for your life and God's purpose and design and plan for the church as it involves you. We do that around the Word of God. We're going to continue on tonight uh, with a series that we began last week. In fact, this has been our summertime series at New Life. It's from the book of Ezra. Ezra has a, a message that I believe is for every generation, every subsequent generation, there is a message. The people of Israel, the people of Judah had strayed away from, had drifted away from God, and it cost them. There were consequences involved in that. We can learn from that as well. I believe that. I want to read one verse in your hearing, and then we're going to jump right on into this. It's found in Psalm 106. In verse number 36, you heard just a little bit of it at the intro of the program, but the record puts it this way. Again, Psalm 106, beginning in verse 36. They worship their idols. They worship their idols, which became a snare to them. Verse number 39, they defiled themselves by what they did. By their deeds, they prostituted themselves. It's a very strong language, and we're going to break this down for you very shortly. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one listening in to the program right now, and I pray and ask in the matchless name of Jesus that by your word you would speak to hearts. Lord, I pray for those that are serious and sincere about uh, following you and living out your plan for their life. Help them with this message. I trust they would be encouraged to be about your business. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Hey, before we jump into that, let me remind you once again that New Life has a regular schedule of activity. Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, the messages that you hear on New Life Telecast, that's what we do. There's also a ton of fellowship. I'm telling you, at the end of our service, uh, I say amen, and people just fellowship and visit with one another. It is awesome. It's a great place to be. We would love to see you. We also have midweek activities Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, something for nearly every member of the family. If you're looking for a church fellowship that prioritizes children's ministry and youth ministry, that's what we do. I'm not telling you we are the best, but we put forth our best effort to make sure that our children 
the very young children as well as our teens know and understand how the Word of God applies to their life. New Life Community Church. If you're not connected with a church body, let me encourage you to come on out, visit with us. From our perspective, we consider you a newcomer the first Sunday. After that, you're just one of us. New Life Community Church. Contact information is there on the screen. I would encourage you to take a look at our website. There's a lot of valuable information there about who we are, what we believe, what we teach, and how we'd love to see you. Well, let's see what Ezra has to say. You hang on, keep your Bibles handy, and I'll be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. Let me take just a few moments this morning to uh, offer to you a parenthetical introduction. Last week, as briefly mentioned just moments ago, I attempted to lay the foundation for what I believe to be a very important and timely message. You may chuckle sometime when I say this, but I actually believe that every week when I come before you, I am bringing you what God has impressed or laid upon my heart. I'm not just beating the air. I don't just go to the mailbox and get my sermon from Reader's Digest every week and just read it to you. This is hot off the press. So with that, I guess that you have noticed over the past 26 years, those of you that have been around that long, that my preaching isn't just sharing what amounts to Bible-based bedtime stories for very young children. Now, I really try to keep it simple, so simple that the youngest of us and the most biblically ignorant of us can understand what the Word of God is saying. Listen to this. I have, I've really never given it a lot of thought until recently, but uh, in retrospect, I guess I have to admit that there is a bit of a prophetic edge to my ministry. Never really given that a lot of thought. I have never in my life doubted the existence of and the very present presence of Almighty God. Let me do that again. A lot of people doubt. I had a conversation with someone this week about someone that doubted that God, a single individual, brought about all that is. I have never, I'm telling you with all integrity, I have never in my life had thoughts like that. I believe that that has a lot to do with my gifting. I believe it has a lot to do with my calling. Also, in great part, and this is why I try to encourage you parents with young children, I believe this is also in part due to godly parents who not only taught me, they not only said some words to me, but they lived out before me a lifestyle of holiness. Now, sometimes when you're growing up and your daddy's living out a lifestyle of holiness, you don't like it too much. But then when you get to be nearly 66 years old and you have youngins and grandchildren of your own and in-laws and everything else and standing before a church body like this, you're like very thankful that you had that example put before you. If perchance my preaching comes across sounding a bit matter-of-fact, 
It's not because of a prideful cockiness on my part. I have been accused of such, and it hurt my heart, especially the first time. I'm like, man, alive. I'm just one crying in the wilderness just trying to point people to Jesus, and I'm excited about it, and yet was accused of a prideful cockiness. It's not that. Rather, it's simply because I am convinced. Look at your neighbor and say, I know that's right. I am convinced that God is real. He's real. I'm convinced of that. And that his gifts and calling are without repentance. I do not waver on that. Never once in my lifetime have I doubted that the Bible is the Word of God. So many today, even among the church, wrestle with that notion. That's not me. Never have I doubted that the Bible is the Word of God. Pastor, are you bragging? No, I'm just trying to tell you how it is with me in order to help you understand some of the reason why I preach as I do. What I preach is a reflection of a deep level conviction. Now, there's a word that you don't even hear much among the church today. I grew up with it. I cut my teeth on it, and I felt it more times than you can imagine and still do. A deep-level conviction that has served to shape me into the person that I am. Another way of saying this is, I believe what I'm preaching to you. I believe it. Amen? I do. Now, I said all of that to say this, sort of. I believe that living by these principles that are given in the Word of God, I believe that is intended by God for every single man, woman, boy, and girl that was ever born or ever will be born. Every one of them. It's not just for Terry. It's not just for New Life Community Church. Not just for that vast audience of millions listening by way of live stream this morning. But for every man, woman, boy, and girl that has ever been. Therefore, it doesn't bother me. And it does not check me. When I challenge all persons everywhere that they should do these things. It doesn't bother me to say to people, you should do this. Now listen, I totally understand, like totally understand, the use of the word should coming forth from one human being to another in our culture today has a tendency to sound threatening and condescending. You should. Does it make you bristle up just a little bit when somebody says to you, you should? Oh, that old flesh does that, doesn't it? Still, every time I tell Donna, you should. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Kidding a little bit. <laughs> Beloved, there are some things that we all ought to live out. It's true. We are to live out a way that is pleasing 
to God and it's the role of certain gifts among the body to make certain those ought to's are emphasized. I would be one of those persons. Are you with me? Wasn't that a brilliant introduction? You ready for the real preaching, the real message? Here we go. What does that have to do with Ezra? I don't know. No, I do know. What does that have to do with Ezra? Number one on your study notes. Ezra depicts a story, and not only a story, but a message for every generation. Every generation, Pastor Terry? Yes. Now hang on to that, because we may take a test at the end. If you pass, you get a popsicle. (laughs) We discovered... We discovered, we uncovered last week that the biblical people of Judah, the southernmost kingdom, the direct descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had strayed or drifted away from their loyalty to Almighty God. And I belabored that point rather intensely last week. The Lord helped us with that. So, this morning, let's pause and ask, what does that look like? Let me do this, do this again. The people of Judah had strayed, had drifted away from their loyalty to Almighty God. What does that look like? Go with me, if you would, please, to Psalm 106 and verse number 36. Here's what it says. They worshiped their idols, which became a snare to them. If you underline things in your Bible, I would encourage you to underline the word became. It indicates there was a process. This didn't happen just like that. It was a step by step by step process they worshiped their idols which became a snare to them verse 39 of psalm 106 they defiled themselves how did they do that by what they did can you embellish that david by their deeds they prostituted you see it there they prostituted themselves how many of you know that's a strong word When you'd use that word about someone, you would be very, very careful about using that word. But that word or a similar, a reasonable facsimile thereof is used in a lot of places throughout the Old and New Testament. By their deeds, they prostituted themselves. Go with me to Revelation in the New Testament. We'll leave the Psalms under the Old Covenant. Go into Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 4. The New Living Translation puts it like this. Now Jesus is speaking. Who's speaking? Who? I can't hear you. Jesus is speaking. Here's what he says. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Wow, Jesus said, you don't love me or each other like you did at first. Fill in number two with me on your study notes. 
Do you know what the distinguishing mark of a believer is? Let me see your eyeballs just a sec. Do you know what the distinguishing mark of a believer, a born-again, spirit-filled believer is? Do you know what the distinguishing mark is? If you do, say it right out loud with me. Did you look at the screen? Okay. How many of you cheated? Be honest. I expect to see you at the altar at the end of this. No. The distinguishing mark of a believer. Listen to John 13 and verse number 35. All men will know that you are my disciples if you wear your hair just right. Is that in there? All men will know that you are my disciples if you speak in King James vernacular. Is that in there? Yeah, I, when I look at that, I back up and I say to myself, of all the things that God could have put forth that is the distinguishing mark for the believer, th this is incredible. All men will know that you are my, my disciples if you love one another. You know, there's some things you probably can't do. There's some, I know a lot of things I can't do. But all of us can love. All of us can express love. Will you consider with me Deuteronomy 6 and verse number 5? Deuteronomy chapter 6 is that passage that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, He is one. And then we're told to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, strength. And then uh, that's uh, uh, Deuteronomy Mark chapter 12 beginning around verse 29 reemphasizes that passage from Deuteronomy and then verses uh, 30, 31 perhaps also reemphasize that love is the greatest distinguishing mark of those who would make the boast of being a follower of Christ. Hmm. Jesus says love. Now, throughout the Bible, I've just mentioned this, the word adultery or prostitution or something to that effect, the word adultery is used to characterize this straying from God. Stick with me. I'm going to pull all this together here very shortly. Adultery, and you'll laugh when I tell you this, very simplistic, adultery always involves another. You can't commit adultery with yourself. It always involves another. Usually because one's eyes or one's heart either wanders, W-A-N-D-E-R-S, or wanders, W-O-N-D-E-R-S. Now watch this. Spiritual adultery, you all know what physical adultery is, do you not? That's when someone that's married to someone, gets involved in a sexual relationship with someone that is married to someone else. That's adultery. There is a spiritual adultery as well, and that's really what I'm trying to put before you right now. Usually, very subtly, it has its beginnings expressed as a lack of focus on that one that should be focused upon. Spiritually, 
Our God focus, mine and yours, is displaced by some other focus. Consequently, we are estranged from, what's this, a red-hot, intimate love connection with our Father. Very practically speaking, such manifestation typically shows up first in one's prayer life. What are you trying to say to me, Pastor Terry? We're talking about love and loving God. And we're talking about uh, uh, the deal where that love begins to wane. And instead of focusing on that one, you begin to focus on something else. Usually, that whole scenario has its beginning in a lack of prayer or begins to show up first in one's prayer life. Very simply, that means that one ceases or slows down on their communication with the Father. Do you know in premarital counseling, one of the things I deal with couples, starry-eyed couples who are about to get married, uh, there's two or three things that I, I deal with these couples in premarital counseling. One of them is I spend a good bit of time talking about communication. And I usually get this. They're all looking at each other, all Google-eyed. Oh, we love each other. Oh, we communicate. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, y'all don't have a clue. Listen to me. So we talk about communication. And sometimes, quite often, years later, there's a, a recurrence, some post-marital counseling. And it all comes back to guess what? Communication. That's true in the physical realm. What about the spiritual realm? Do you know when people began to stray? It's when they stopped having conversations with their Heavenly Father. Is anybody out there? You picking up what I'm putting down? I'm asking what the straying look like. God says this through Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 2. I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me and followed me through the desert, through a land not sown. Verse 5, this is what the Lord says. What fault did your fathers find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and, look at this, became process, became worthless themselves. Fill in number three with me on your notes. Beloved, straying from God, drifting from God is nearly always marked by a straying to something else. Pastor Terry, are you trying to be a comedian this morning? No. Listen to that. Straying from God is nearly always marked by a straying to something else. That's very simplistic, isn't it? But quite often it goes right over people's heads because they will not realize that the other things that they dabble with, allowing their prayer life to be affected, the other things that they dabble with, those things are causing great injury to them and can be very injurious to them. I'm going to show you here in just a second. Leaving one love to love something else. Now, Mankind, I'm talking about men and women, boys and girls, mankind has a tendency to create 
this mental list of horrific actions that constitute one a spiritual adulterer, thinking, perhaps rationalizing to themselves, oh, I would never become a spiritual adulterer. I would never lose my God focus. I would never stop communicating with my heavenly Father because I don't do these horrifically evil things. Are you with me? Let me show you something. Here's what Jesus says. Who says this? Who? John 14 and 15. Jesus said this. If you love me, I love this. Jesus says to youth and meeth, if you love me, then here's how I will know it. And what does he say, church? Read it right out loud with me. You will obey what I command. If you love me, you will obey what I command. So I told you that to tell you this. The greatest sign of spiritual adultery is not necessarily, isn't necessarily some horrific evil that we have dreamed up and, and set aside, put little parentheses around it, but rather it is simple disobedience. Disobedience. Simply. Lovely, let's wrap that up right there tonight. There's more. We'll look forward to sharing that with you next week. But uh, can I say this to you? When it comes to our everyday walking around life, just living life, it's not so much the hideous things that we do as it is the, the Word of God, the will of God that we fail to do. Isn't that true? I say to the people at New Life all the time, people do people things. And one of the people things we do is failing to do what we know we ought to do. That's probably a phrase that I hear from church folks and, uh, and even people out in the world as I work with uh, certain entities out in the community. I hear quite often people say, I know I should, but. I know I should be involved in the church, but. I know I should read the Word more, but. I know I should share my life and my means with others, but it's not so much the hideous things we do as it is the will of God that we fail to do. I want to encourage you just to go for it. Do it. If you know there's something you should be doing, do it. If you know there are good deeds that you need to manifest toward other members of society, and in particular those of you that are involved in the church, if you know that there are things that you should be doing, do it. And do it in the power of the Spirit and do it motivated from a heart of love. A heart that has been touched by Almighty God and is flowing to and through you. Can you be encouraged to follow through with that? I trust so. I can't make you do it. Probably wouldn't make you if I could because your heart wouldn't be in it. But I can encourage you and I do encourage you. Father, I pray for each one listening in right now. Lord, as we know and understand your word, I pray that you would empower us to do it, to follow through with that which we know to do, the good things that you've called us to. We pray, we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. 
Listen, beloved, you have a great week, what's left of it. I am Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church, and I trust that the Lord's going to bless you. I trust that you are going to continue to seek Him, to follow after His will, and I want to remind you, beloved, that Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you? Mm -hmm.